Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Utah Royals FC show. This is Lucas Muller. Um, I'm in beautiful Seattle, Washington, and I am joined today by Nikita Taparia. Uh, Nikita, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So if you don't know who Nikita is, she is one of the most talented um, photographers in, I would say, yeah, North American soccer. Um, she does really great work. She covers a lot of um, rain and Portland thorns, but she also went to the World Cup this summer. Um, and I was in the Northwest on a family trip, and I figured this would be a great opportunity to just sit down with Nikita and ask her about her craft a little bit. So, um, yeah, Nikita, just kind of to start us, uh, how did you get into soccer photography? Oh, <laughs> I think, so I always liked taking photos. Um, I didn't have a proper DSLR, proper camera until the end of college. And then I had moved to Seattle for grad school. And um, I don't know, it just sort of, I, I would basically bring my camera everywhere. I didn't really know how to use my camera per se. So I'd be one of those people who has a DSLR and then you just set everything to auto. <laughs> so you're not really using your camera, but you're still using that. Um, and so I would take pictures of scenery and whatnot. And then I decided, I think at that point, it was like 2014, and I had been watching the rain. Uh, and the rain had just moved to Memorial Stadium, so I could actually go to the games, but hadn't gone to one. So I finally decided to go to one. Um, and it was uh, Seattle Rain versus Portland Thorns, which you can imagine the epicness. And it was actually one of, I think it was like the largest audience in a long time until now they recently broke it. Um, it was close to 6,000. So the atmosphere was incredible and uh, you could bring your camera. So I just brought, it was my basic camera, a D5100 and a 55 to 200. This is like your nice. starter kit. It's not even a pro camera. It doesn't allow you to manually change anything. And I set it to burst mode and then I just took pictures and these are the worst pictures you'll ever see. Like this is like how you start, right? But I think, you know, so the rain had scored five against Portland. We won 5-0. That's and, an exciting first game. <laughs> and I was hooked. And I just started bringing my camera to games. Um, and it just, like, that's how it started. It, and I was very, very bad at it um, in the beginning, especially when you go to Memorial uh, at nighttime. The lights are terrible. So... Yeah, I basically had to teach myself how to take pictures. And that's that's how it started, was I used Edna Bussell to teach myself how to take pictures. Um, now, to answer your actual question is, how did I actually get started with the professional side? I think it was it was a couple years later. Um, so I, that first game was in 2014. And then I went to the World Cup in final in Vancouver in 2015, brought my camera. I was super high up, but I was like, I just remember thinking, wow, this is, I want to keep taking pictures. Um, so I, in 2016, I went to a, a majority of the games and that's when I like started being like, okay, I can't just use burst mode because all my pictures are terrible. Um, and I can't, and I don't know how to use my camera. So I, I was using the D5100, which doesn't let you change anything. Mm -hmm. And 
trying to teach myself. It doesn't have any proper autofocus either in terms of tracking. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> so it was actually interesting training uh, because I had the worst gear in the world, but I didn't use that as an excuse. And when you have the worst gear in the world, in order to get good pictures, there's a couple things you can do. Um, you got to adapt and kind of anticipate player movement. Mm-hmm. And so you really start learning the game. And especially in my case, I was just covering the rain at the time. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I mean, it just, the pictures kind of started getting more popular. Um, and then Anne Odong uh, of the women's game, and now I guess part of... Um, the Australian Federation, I guess, had been following me on uh, uh, social media mm-hmm. and I guess liked my celebration photos. And it was just like a random August or ran- random day in July, maybe. Yeah, July in 2017. And she's like, hey, Nikita, do you want to take pictures at Tournament of Nation? I was like, said what now? I literally remember messaging her and saying, and you do realize I'm a fan, right? (laughs) And I remember her responding, and this is a good point, we're all fans of the game. Um, Oh, that's that's a great response. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, that's true. I was like, okay, fine, but I'm I'm not a professional. It's like, I'm not a professional either, but you're, you're good at taking pictures, do you want to take pictures? I need someone to take pictures of the Matildas. And I was like, I mean, uh, of course, if someone tells you, hey, do you want to take pictures? I already had tickets to that game, too. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it just, like, happened. And that was my first game. It was uh, Tournament of Nations. It was a double game, too. So my first game, actually, if we're going to count, is J- uh, Japan versus Brazil. But I like barely took pictures in that game because I had rented out another camera. I'd rented the D7200, mm-hmm. uh, a big lens I'd never used before, so I was super uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, also, the D7200, uh, it's a manual lens. It's a proper lens, or sorry, proper uh, camera with control, right, for aperture. Yeah. Didn't know how to use it. Yeah. So that first game was me trying to figure out how to use a proper camera because I didn't own one at that point. Um, And then I was like, oh, wow, I'm expected to take pictures of, you know, the Matildas. But, you know, it it worked out well. I was super nervous. I think I always get nervous still before games. Um, And, yeah, I took pictures of the Matildas. That was also the Matildas... I think only win against the United States, and I was. It was funny because I was shooting Matilda's attacking, mm-hmm. and nobody was there. Oh, that's right? nice. Right, yeah. because everybody was shooting the U.S. When mm-hmm. the U.S. plays, you, you've shot a U.S. game or one. Yeah, it was. It's packed, right? It's like everyone wants yeah. to shoot the U.S. side mm-hmm. because they expect U.S. like a ton of goals. Yeah. Um, that was 2017, which was like a chaotic year. Yeah. Um, and the Matildas scored, and I was probably one of the few people who actually got that goal because they celebrated my way too. Yeah. Um, and so that was the first experience. It wasn't like I had the most spectacular pictures, but after that moment forward and like seeing all the Matildas using my photos and 
it was just like I was hooked I I had to do it again yeah um and now that I had one foot in the door I was like okay how do I get credentials to more games that was basically the mission was who do I have to talk to to get credentials um that's that's really interesting because my first game that I shot was the Royals' first away game to um, North Carolina Courage. It ended two two, and I had a credential um, for like media stuff, and it was also good for photography. And I've had like a D forty, which is oh wow, an entry level camera from like fifteen years ago <laughs> um, for years. Yeah, and so I'm like, I'm gonna bring my camera. I'm gonna like try taking a few shots, and it's just like hooked me it was so much fun and it was so cool to see like those pictures are not good but be like oh like I captured this like like I helped like I sort of created this moment in a way of capturing this like these incredible players Um, and I had like no intention of like wanting to pursue photography like until that moment I'm like this is so much fun yeah I think even for me like I had no intention of ever seeking out credentials two years ago it it kind of came to me and then after that first moment I was like okay I need to find a way to get credentials and that's where like the second person I would say who came into uh, my life kind of virtually speaking um, because I had sent by that point I had sent cold emails so I started I was literally googling and nobody sell credentials, like, which media outlet? So I remember sending something to Babel, but I, I got a response. But then because I had only one game experience, I never got a response back. Yeah. Um, I don't even know who else. I, re- I, I remember contacting a lot of people. The only person who sent me an email back and was uh, Alex Ratcliffe. Uh, he handles... Uh, now what's called make and rally it's like a creative agency but uh, he had something called he was running something called step over fc which was kind of capturing the moments on and off the pitch uh but primarily at mls games okay and i at that point i just wanted experience but i had pitched to him i was like hey i want to cover the nwsl and specifically later on at that point i knew that the u.s would be playing canada in vancouver in 2007 like in November so I was like I want to cover this game Mm -hmm. and so he responded back and based on my Instagram at that time which you know it had I was kind of okay with Lightroom um at that point I didn't know Photoshop I was using my phone I was using an app called Snapseed to make weird edits Mm -hmm. so uh, the same edits that I still put out like half the time on my phone when I'm stuck on traffic. I call it traffic edits. (laughs) Um, And based on that alone, uh, for whatever reason, whatever he saw in me, he's like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Mm. You need more experience before we get you into a U.S. game. Mm. So he sent me to cover the Sounders. He sent me, I think, the big game actually for me, because the Sounders game wasn't, like, it didn't go as well. Uh, as a first-time experience, but the Timbers game. It was a Cascadia Cup okay. game. So Was that in Portland? Or yeah, there? it was in Portland. So it was Timbers versus uh, uh, Vancouver. Okay. Um, and the, and uh, uh, Timbers won, I believe. I don't remember, actually. Um, but I remember that was the first time I uh, 
really focused on off the pitch, like supporters, crowd, because that's what he had wanted. He wanted more atmosphere. And I, you know... And was that specific to, like, the vision for... Um, a step, step over. over? Yeah, it was... And it was really good that that was the vision because that made me realize I have to look beyond just what's going on on the pitch. There's so much going on mm-hmm. around you that you have to capture it all. Um, even, like, the still moments are probably more powerful than just, you know, a header. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only so many header pictures you can take before you're like, I don't want to edit this anymore. I was, yeah, I was, like, <laughs> shooting the RSL game on Saturday, and I was, like, the left side. I'm like, if I have to, like, take one more <laughs> photo of Brooks Lennon, like, running down the wing and then crossing, yeah. like, I got to find something better to shoot. Yeah, so, moment. I mean, if you could move around, yeah. that's golden. But if you're stuck in one place, it gets bored real fast. Yeah. Um, and so you got to f- find ways to keep yourself entertained. Um, and I had stayed on the Timbers Army side, the supporter side, and I was actually staying right where... I was kind of moving around, but mm-hmm. I was near the log, too. And I I don't want... At that time, I really didn't watch MLS. Like, no. I knew nothing about the traditions of Timbers Army. So I didn't know that they chopped the yeah. log or anything and when the when a goal was scored and that happened I was so I was just like oh my god what's happening <laughs> this is a normal for soccer <laughs> and that hooked me that hooked me a lot um that was the first game I also really got into Lightroom mm-hmm. really started powerfully editing thinking about the colors that I use for a game and then after that Alex helped me get credentials to Portland's last game as well as um, it was against Chicago and then it was Portland and uh, Pride for the semifinal and the last game I it wasn't a very good one for me and I again I didn't know what the Riveters traditions were um, for last game so I missed all of that Mm -hmm. um, which you know it happens Um, but for the semifinal I think that's when things I Introduce a new editing style. Uh, I, the shooting, I, I had the D500. I, everything was perfect. And that was probably the one of the best games I ever shot. And then after that, it I really started getting, it, it, it was kind of a deep dive. Um, I had to wait then. And then it was the US, uh, Canada-USA game. Hmm. And then what was that game like having done MLS and interviews? Oh my gosh. Okay, so you have to understand, that was at BC Place. That was two years after the World Cup final, basically. Okay. Yeah. I had been in the top, the cheapest tickets you can get, top of the stands of BC Place, mm-hmm. watching the fin- that crazy final, yeah. losing my voice in like 20 minutes, <laughs> right? And then all of a sudden, two years later, I'm pitch side yeah. at BC Place. And it's, so- it's sold out. It was like thir- it was sold out because they didn't open the upper deck but sold out 30,000 Canadian fans maybe a mix of some it was primarily Canadian you could tell but there was definitely some US fans too and it was loud it was so so loud because they had closed the roof Mm. Um, and uh, the crazy thing about there are two crazy things that happened that game Um, so Alex Morgan had scored and I had captured her sequence and I'd posted it on Instagram, you know, like you posting, and you know, you tag a player and whatever. She had actually liked that picture, and then she actually started following me. Oh, wow. And I was like, 
And the funny thing about that was I wasn't following her. Oh no. <laughs> so, follow back. But like when you follow back, yeah. you get an actual specific notification. Oh, yeah. this person followed you back. So for the longest time, I was like, I have to, I can't follow her back uh, until right like <laughs> she's like in the air or something. <laughs> it was like a weird thing. Uh, but yeah. it, was, it was just like one of those, holy, holy crap. What, it, what? Why is this player following me? Um, actually, before that, Pino had been following me. Oh, wow. Uh, Pino made a little more sense, I think, because I was taking yeah. pictures of the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had liked one picture. And then after that, it was kind of like dead silent. Like, I didn't know if she was like a mistake. The, uh, that was the biggest thing was like when a player started following me back then, it was, why are they following me? Yeah. <laughs> um, and players had started following me and this was to the crypto banana account. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually intended to make a separate photography account. Okay. It was supposed to be like Nikki the the party of photos or some uh-huh. anti photos or some some mm-hmm. official name. But then like Pino started following the crypto banana account and I was like, well, I can't change that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had that same thought of like, oh, I probably should have made a like soccer specific one because I have like friends and family who do not care about people yeah. soccer all the time and. I'm, but I like I can't change it now that like, yeah. I'd make deep into it, and I have like followers who are players. I I ended up cleaning up the crypto banana account, so that it was specifically soccer specific. So I scrubbed your personal life out. Yeah, and then I may I have my own private that I barely use that one, but um. Yeah, that was that. It was funny. It was, and I had thought about changing the name crypto banana too. Mm. Um. Uh, and I actually can't. I couldn't because it was it was uh, last year. It was uh, Tournament of Nations last in uh, 2018 when I again I was I was shooting for Australia again. This time as a team photographer, which mm. was crazy. Yeah. Um, but then like the USA Brazil game was after, so I was like a regular photographer for that one. Mm. Um, and I got some great pictures, and I got um, Tobin celebrating and. Pino's arms, as well as the big one was Pino with the pride flag hmm. that she had immediately like reposted um, on stories or something. And I remember sitting at the airport after all this because Tobin had just used my picture. And I was like freaking out. Uh, Pino had reposted my pride. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> and then all the Australians had, of course, used a bunch of my fi- pictures. Um, and I'm sitting at the airport in Chicago, headed home, when I get a DM from Pino saying, appreciate your work, banana. <laughs> and after that, I was like, well, yeah. I, can't, I cannot change the – like, it's actually recognizable at this point yeah. that – If the president knows it, I mean. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay then. That's that answers my question. I'm not changing crypto banana ever again. Um, yeah. But yeah, the and then yeah, that was wow. We went down tangents. That was like the first crazy thing that happened was Alex Morgan had started following me. But the second one, uh, that's when I met Caitlin, who was part of Stumptown Footy. Okay. Uh, and I didn't. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't know. I didn't, when, when it came to NWSL back then, I didn't really read as much news, yeah. per se. I, wasn't, I was still part of the, 
I would call it tennis Twitter. Yeah. Um, we'll get Twitter. into that in a bit probably, but oh, we will. Uh, but uh, I was very much part of the tennis community, and then I was slowly transitioning into women's soccer, I guess. Um, Which is funny because like every now and then you'll just. Like, you're clearly watching a tennis match. I'm always watching. Like, and then some- you're, like, tweeting about it. I'm like, at first I'm trying to figure out, like, are these players I don't know? Oh, it's a different sport. <laughs> That's what's happening. I think it's fair to assume I'm always listening to a tennis match. Um, at this point, I have, like, the radio. Mm-hmm. And I'm always listening to something. Like, right now the U.S. Open is going on. So I'm definitely going to be watching the U.S. Open. Yeah, I didn't know um, that. Thank God for the FIFA break. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I met Caitlin. I didn't know what Stumptown Footy was um, until uh, the semifinal game. Mm-hmm. When I guess I didn't know I was talking to Caitlin at the time, but she had DM me through the Stumptown Footy account saying, "Hey, can we use your photos?" Um, which Step Over FC wasn't really using them. Like Alex wasn't using the photos. It was more, I think, training for me. Yeah. Um, so I, I asked, like, hey, can they use photos? Yup. So that's kind of, like, how I became aware of Stumptown Footy. I had no idea any of it. I knew of, I think, SB Nations as a whole, but I didn't realize all these blogs existed. Um, and then when I met Caitlin, um, I, think we were just ta- I think we were just talking about uh, coverage and all, and I think she had mentioned how she wanted a photographer, hmm. um, kind of in passing. Hmm. Uh, and then they actually put out, hey, we're seeking a photographer a little while later. And so I was like, okay, I'll apply for this. Um, and I remember applying and then letting her know, like, hey, I'm applying for this. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, um, I got it. Uh, and haven't looked back since, I guess. I don't know. I now get credentials. Yeah. So wait, so do you go to every... Um Every uh, Thorns game? game? No, I can't. Okay. Um, I live in Seattle. If you've ever driven from Seattle to Portland, Portland or Seattle, it's, especially on the weekday, not happening. Like, I'd have to take days off, yeah. and I can't afford that. Uh, so I can only go to weekend games, unfortunately, yeah. and especially with the s- schedule this year, they have a lot of weekday games. Um, so whenever I can, I try to pile on to... Uh, the weekend games, and then I'll cover the rain games. Um, and at this point, it's more so because it seems like other SB Nation blogs need photos all the time. Such as RSL Soapbox. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which we greatly appreciate. So at that point, I was like, okay, well, I see a need that everybody needs photos. Mm-hmm. Because I, especially back then, I guess you could say like Getty wasn't really taking photos. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if... I think now get, I've noticed Getty photographers are starting to appear at games slowly. Um, so there was, like, this massive need. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for us, like, it's... it's For me personally and probably selfishly, like, it's kind of great that SB Nation doesn't have access to NWSL photos, at least not easily and not regularly. Like, yeah. after RSL games... Jeff, who is the USA Today for photographer, by the time like I'm packing up and leaving because I don't edit at the stadium, like yeah. he's finishing his edits in the um, uh, in the press box, um, and then like our writers are using those photos for their post match stuff. But for um, 
for not RSL games, so for, yeah, um, uh, Utah Royals games, like, I try to get a couple up at halftime, so we've got, you know, stuff right away yeah. for um, post-match stuff. And in our, the early days of Soapbox covering um, uh, the Royals, like, it was a lot of, oh, here's, like, the picture the club released of Gunny when she first signed her contract, just standing at the Zions Bank yeah. training facility, and it didn't fit at all. Um, <laughs> but there is, like, a massive need for individual coverage, especially, like, photography, which is kind of... It's, it's interesting, in. too. There's a massive need, but there are no paid opportunities, too. Yeah, that's... There's, there's this uh, dichotomy of this... Uh, where, yeah, every, there's so many of these outlets that need specific photos, mm-hmm. but how many people are willing to, you know, work for free? <laughs> um, like, for me, I'm kind of, like, lucky in the sense I'm a grad student. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a stipend. I have health insurance. You know, I'm taken care of. Mm-hmm. And instead of and like whatever disposable income I might have instead of like spending it on I don't know clothes or whatever any normal person would mm-hmm. spend it on I don't have a car I don't have anything this is my I, almost like my drug of choice I would yeah. say which no I call it an addiction actually because uh, so I don't drink alcohol I don't do anything but I would say that uh you know, when you're taking photos at a game, pit side, you get the highest high. It's like, I don't even know what type of rush it is. Yeah. It's... I totally know what you're talking about, though. It's, it's crazy, though, because yeah. you can't replicate it. Yeah. In t- unless you go to another game. Uh-huh. Um, and so you just get this rush of adrenaline. And then it's followed by a massive crash, like, oh, my God, I need to... I need to get my next fix in a sense. I need to go, no, I need to yeah. go, go to the next game. That's literally how it has been for me, which, you know, it actually was a bit unhealthy, I think, last year where I was trying to cover as many games because I was that addicted mm-hmm. to that rush. And there's only so much money you can spend on rentals. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do have a Patreon uh which has helped like but I think last year and how do listeners find your Patreon? I was just crypto banana. Okay. Yeah. Um I was still out like I think I think I had released my budgets last year because of I don't know what was going on on Twitter Mm -hmm. but um I had released how much I had spent and how much I had earned and I think I had a loss of like $2,500 or something Mm -hmm. last year. Um I think, and that was luck too. That was, had I not gotten like opportunities with uh, NWL and like FFA and whatnot, mm-hmm. that number would have been mm-hmm. probably closer to uh, thirty-five hundred. Yeah. Um. So, last year was a little unhealthy because I was covering so many games and just jam-packing it in. It was taking over my life. And I was just trying to put out content all the time. It was like literally this hustle life mm-hmm. that 
there was a period also where I just hated the quality that I was putting out. Mm. Um, because all of a sudden, when you when you start getting into that rhythm of, you know, you go to the game, you got to put pictures out, mm-hmm. and it you stop caring almost about what the pictures look like mm-hmm. because you just have to get those pictures out uh, because people need to use them. Yeah. Um, and so I had kind of s- almost started moving away from why I originally started, which was I needed some artistic, creative art form. Um, so that was like almost my resolution this year was uh, instead of just putting out pictures all the time on Instagram, mm-hmm. just like constantly posting something every day, yeah. um, I would actually think about it. I would think about the story I was trying to tell and construct something I'm proud of, something I'm, that's beautiful, uh, and actually kind of curate my work a bit more, mm-hmm. uh, more attention to detail, things that are different from a traditional, from any traditional photographer, I would say. Um, but at some level, that seems a lot like the story of many like photographers of you kind of like stumble into it a little bit and then you just do everything you can and then like I have two of my good friends um, from old roommates from Salt Lake now live in one's in LA one's in New York um, and they're both like full-time professional photographers and they used to just pump out a ton of content and now they actually are very choosy about what they do Um, and it seems like yeah I'm just kind of a part of that cycle of you've like you've You've kind of done those days of say yes to everything and now you're being a little bit more choosy. Yeah, I... Like, I could... If I really wanted, I could probably get away with going to as many games as possible. But at the end of the day, it's more of a... Can I mentally cope with that? Because that was the thing was I was mentally and physically exhausted last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think I had... Especially at the beginning of last uh, of last season, when I was just starting out with Stumptown Footy and just going to games and getting... I hadn't really figured out what st- style I was going for. Um, and I also had just started using Photoshop. Like, I didn't know how to use Photoshop last year. Yeah. Um, and so I was just so... I just remember being so unhappy with most of the pictures that I was taking mm. um, until... I think the only game I truly, truly liked was the Portland-Seattle game. I think it's always like I show up for Portland-Seattle games. Um, um, That's just how it is. But after that, I just remember being so frustrated because it's like you're... I, I didn't like anything, anything. I didn't like any of my decision making. I didn't like any of the photos I was putting out. I didn't like the editing. I didn't like... I didn't like any of it, and I was trying out a lot of different things, too. I was trying different lenses. I was trying to see, you know, what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I was like, you know what, Nikita, you got to stop. <laughs> you got to just take one camera and one lens, mm-hmm. and that's it. Just focus on that and take pictures. Um, and so I, I, I almost had to simplify it. And then I think the other thing was my creative reset, uh, funny enough, is MLS games. 
Mm-hmm. When I'm feeling absolutely miserable, creatively speaking, for any of the cell games, I will go to an MLS game because I don't particularly care for the MLS game yeah. and like what happens. Yeah. So I'll end up being a lot more free because I'm less invested. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. Like I'll just, I'll just end up shooting a lot better because of that freedom. I think for the NWSL games, because I know the league and I know I watch the league and I know the players. And the players know you. Oh, <laughs> that's debatable. Um, it's just, I don't know, I'm more invested. And so, you know, if you know the players lose, I feel it. Yeah. If the players win, I feel that too. Like, totally. Um, but it makes... It makes it harder, almost. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, my creative reset is MLS games. Uh, and so I think, like, this year I had done... The only one I've done so far is the Timbers LAFC home opener. Okay. For which I'm super proud of every photo I took in hmm. during that time. Um, because... And, and that was a necessary one because that was, like, a little bit before I went to the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and I was feeling, again... Just, like, creatively, like, yeah. So I do want to ask about the World Cup, but before, like, before we get there, and I think you're kind of alluding to it, but when you go into games, do you go in with shots in mind, with ideas of, like, what you want to accomplish, or do you kind of, like, improvise as the game happens in front of you? Yeah, so it's kind of both. For the away team... I know kind of ahead of time, I do have like a slight shot list of portraits probably that I want to get. And you can't really control action shots, but you can control like, oh, I want to get a portrait of this player. And you know, warm-ups or walk-out is like the best time to get that. But that was one thing I think last year, I was messing around so much so because I was trying to learn too. I was, I'm still learning um, how to take photos. I'm still learning how to do things in weird ways. Um, so last year, I would go, ahead, go in ahead of a game being like, okay, today I'm going to mess around with this. Um, it could be anything. I'm going to mess around with zoom blurs and learn long explosions exposures and just test it out and see what happens and the risk of like doing that is well what if your settings are still set and a goal happens right but um if I could feel a game not going anywhere I had a period of 10 minutes or so where I could feel it was kind of like a dead period in the game where I would just mess around and I had one goal in mind is to just kind of master or not really master but at least understand how something works that I've seen someone else post on Instagram or watched a YouTube video or something. So I will go ahead and I will have a plan like that. Like, oh, I want to practice a technique. Um, I think also last year I had a lot of random props I brought. Like uh, when I shot for NWSL, I brought a lens ball to a game, mm-hmm. <laughs> which this I had that plan 
I had that plan um, beforehand, before I was hired by NWSL. Uh And I had no idea also that the supporters would actually have a Stranger Things TIFO because the lens ball basically makes everything upside down. I've seen Roscoe use one. Has Roscoe used one? He might have... He might have actually used one because I used one. Uh, I remember Hannah used one, and she she got it after I put out uh, those pictures. Which yeah. again, this was just me messing around because nobody ever would think to bring a lens ball to a soccer game. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll be the first. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. Um, I remember bringing glass also so that I could create weird reflections. Yeah. Um, for the game before that, that I shot. Uh, it was uh, Rain versus Courage, um, and it was the Pride game, uh, pr- uh, Pride Month. Mm-hmm. And that was the first one I had to shoot for NWSL. And again, I had this plan intact well before I knew I was going to shoot for NWSL, but I had this idea of what if I could create Rainbow Rays, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is like, it's, pr- it's a Pride game. I was like, let's, yeah. let's make rainbows in my pictures. Yeah. Had no idea what to do. Um, I ended up like getting, um, what is it? Uh, I'm blanking on the name, a uh, dream catcher or something like it. It's, I got some, something something like similar that? Yeah. to that, but like it had a pattern and it was really cheap. You could get it on Amazon. Okay. And if you shine it towards the light in a certain way, it would create these streaks. Hmm. And the problem was I didn't have enough. I couldn't get rays really coming out of the players because it just, was cheap and it didn't work but I was able to get rainbow rays appear near the space needle and that ended up being like this I know that picture yeah yeah, it's super cool it's the craziest picture I guess I wondered if that like if you just added that no 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 no. that was that was that was no photoshopping yeah if anything it was just messing around with the basic settings to get the coloring right yeah um because when you put that whatever it is uh I think it was yeah like kind of like a kaleidoscope but when you put that in front of your lens at a weird it, it does block off a little bit of the light so you got to like adjust for exposures and whatnot um and it really creates these crazy streaks of rainbows that almost look like they're indented into the picture yeah. um i was almost fearing that i damaged my camera but nah um but yeah so like i would go into plan games with that sort of plan uh, but at the same time, that's that's the one of the biggest lessons I've learned from last year and this year was last year I had all these plans and set so much so that it was constricting. Mm. Um, it was because then I would end up in disappointment half the time mm. that I didn't accomplish my goal. Mm. Uh, and that's not how it should be. Um, you know, you don't you can't anticipate what's going to happen in a game. Um, so this year has been. Yeah, I still know that I want to get portraits of certain players. And uh, usually it'll be I want at least one portrait and one action shot of every single player, mm-hmm. if possible. Mm-hmm. That's always kind of the case. Um, and then after that, it's like whatever happens in the game, it happens in the game. Um, a lot of times at Thorns games, I will still stay on the Riveter side, mm-hmm. even though the Thorns are attacking, always attack the other way the first half. Mm-hmm. And they tend to score more t- more times on that side than my side. So nowadays, I just kind of go into... The only thing I plan out now is trying to get the defense or 
like French celebrating mm. because there's no way I'm going to reach everybody else is going to get a better shot of the players celebrating mm -hmm. but how many people take a picture of the goalkeeper celebrating right yeah. so that sort of shot selection kind of comes with an understanding that you know what's more valuable now right like that that I think came from last year was understanding that I have you know you have a limitation with your lens and if you're on the other side what is the point of taking a picture mm -hmm. from far away when you could take a really good picture of a player right in front of you celebrating um, or like the supporters celebrating yeah. um, so th those those things I'm aware of a little bit but otherwise you can't you can't anticipate anything um, I move around a lot too um, for games because I get very restless. I think uh, certain friends of mine will know also when I'm restless uh, because I'll be like taking pictures of the sky, taking, taking pictures of random stuff um, when I get bored. Um, and it's not that the game is boring, it's that, you know, again, after a certain point, a header picture is, you know, Two players going up for a header. It's going to look the same every, every single time. Players going down the wing. That might look a little bit different depending on the angle. But there's only so many you can take. Um, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, well, shifting a little bit, um, this summer you got to do something pretty exciting oh, with the Photographer <laughs> World uh, Cup. And you were there for, I believe, the last two weeks. Is that right? Yeah, it was like two or three weeks. Could you, yeah, just share a little bit about your time over there oh, and boy. what that was like and kind of highlights from that? Oh, man. That was over... It started out... I mean, it was... I wanted to say it started out overwhelming, but it was overwhelming the entire time. Uh, because you're at... You're on the world's biggest stage. And I think that... I mean, at the end of the day, it was a soccer game. Mm -hmm. It's the same game. It's the same game that I've been training for, basically. Did you get any good header shots? <laughs> of course. Um, did I post any? That's a different story. <laughs> um, well, technically, I got uh, Press's header for her goal. Oh, that's uh, good. I got that entire goal celebration, um, and she actually ended up using one of the photos, oh, or nice. a few of the photos, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, for those who don't know, Press is one of my favorites. Um, She's great. As well as Brune and Kay. I mean, I like a lot of the Royals. Yeah. Um, We've got some good ones. Um, but yeah, I the very first game, because I just literally arrived in France, and I didn't realize how it truly worked. So the World Cup for photographers is an interesting format. Uh, if you go to any NWSL game, you kind of just have credentials, and then there's not, like at most of these stadiums, there's not even seating. Um, I don't know how it is. I've never been to Utah, but is there like assigned seats for photographers? Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, so some 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 stadiums great. have like assigned seating, but mm -hmm. for the most part, there's no assigned seats. It's like a free for all. Yeah. Um, or you know, in my case, I'll sit on the ground. Um, but here, the way it worked was there were three different priority levels mm -hmm. first, depending on what game was going on. So if it was like USA, Spain, USA and Spain, uh, Spain media would get priority one. 
and then it would kind of tear off two and three um, accordingly. But the, for that first game, I was priority one, and that meant I would get to if kind of like get a pick number. So you would get an order. You'd have to go there first come first serve to get a number to pick. And then they, eventually they'll call up your number in that priority group to pick a seat. Weird. Which means it was a fight, yeah. basically, right? Um, and so I didn't know this the first game. I was roaming around um, and being a tourist because I was in that city for like only a day. And I got to the stadium well later and I was checked in and I'm like, oh, your priority won. We already picked the seats for priority one, so you're gonna have to wait for priority two. And I was like, wait, what? But luckily, like they were lenient and they let me pick first within oh, the priority nice. two group. Yeah. Um, but what this really, really meant was that uh, in the World Cup, you get one seat mm-hmm. as opposed to any other game. You just move around. Right? You can move. I mean, I can move around basically, right? Or well, you're constricted to one side. Um, but you could still move around. And so you can shoot attacking both ends. Mm-hmm. And the only way you could have shoot attacking at the World Cup both ends is if you trade your seat with someone oh. and then trade back. Yeah. But that means you would have to trade your number and then trade back. And it's a matter of, do you trust, do you even, I didn't know many people, so it's like, do I trust this person to give me my number back? Yeah. Um, so then I ended up never trading seats and I was just sh- shooting Defense, usually for one half, and offense. Uh, because I was always trying to pick um, USA bench side. Mm-hmm. Because you would assume that the players would eventually post-game celebrate at the bench. Yeah. Right? So, for that first game, I was lucky. I did get uh, USA bench side. Um, but both goal celebrations went... The first goal celebration was in the first half, so I was like on the other end. So I got nothing. And the second goal celebration was another PK from Pino, and it went the opposite corner mm. rather than the bench side. Oh. So got zero celebration pictures, and I was really, really bummed. Yeah. And then I was like, okay. Um, the next round was a quarterfinals, and I had actually gotten into three out of the four quarterfinals. Um, so I went to uh, do, do uh, England-Norway, and that one was sort of... You know, I didn't really. I was. That was more me having fun at that point, um, because for the USA games, I was more invested. Obviously, as a fan, I was invested. Um, but yeah, I got. I I barely. Got, I got goal celebrations from that one, but then the next day, that was the big game. That was the USA France. So I had traveled for Norway, England, and then I came back to Paris. And I had to get, I literally took a shower, then ran straight to the stadium to try to get in line because of this priority situation. Was still, I don't know, like 100 people in front of me. Um, so I didn't get USA Benchside for that one. I ended up getting the corner that Peanut ran to uh, for that second goal on the last game. So I was like, okay, maybe she'll run this way this of course not. Um, so Pina scores again first half, or no? Did she? Sc- yeah, she scored twice in that game, right? 
I don't even remember. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. But she went in the first half in the opposite corner. Well opposite. Couldn't... Like, I had this nice... I mean, nice shot of small players, big crowd. Yeah. Um, celebrating and lots of sad French people. Um, and then the second goal goes to the other corner. Where, and this is when she's doing this... Her signature celebration, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, come on! <laughs> um, and then the one goal... That would have come my way, but didn't because it was called offside. Um, Tobin scored and then was starting to run right at me. Mm. Literally, like, making eye contact, it felt. And I was like, oh, my. And she was still doing her kind of, like, she wasn't getting into the celebration yet. She was just doing, like, I'm too cool. I'm running. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's probably going to break out into massive celebration yeah. and then it was whistled off oh. and I was like no yeah. I was like are you kidding me the one goal that was finally coming my way I at that point thought I was cursed um, Renard's goal also happened the other end but at least she ran all the way back like she ran from one end of the stadium did like a wraparound all the way through the midfield. So I had this full sequence of her trying to pump up the French uh, French crowd. And then I have like, just like that entire sequence. I probably could animate that sequence if I wanted. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, like I was having zero, because in, at the end of the day, everybody wants to see celebration photos from the World Cup. And I was really, really just sad that I had nothing. And then that's, I had, your, that's really encouraging to me because, you know, as like a newer photographer I feel like I miss a lot and so it's like oh like he was missing things too oh, like that makes me feel I'm human I listen the art of being a photographer in the social media era is that I can pick and choose what you see mm-hmm. and at this point I control it to the point that I call my blurry shots hashtag art <laughs> if you've seen that before um, I like to make fun of myself now and I think if you get to that point you're in a, probably a good place yeah. of you're going to miss shots. It's going to happen. It's not the end of the world. Um, because the big thing is, can you come up with something that is even better? Because at the end of the day, at the World Cup, every single person around you is getting the same shot from a slightly different angle. Mm-hmm. They might have the slightly better angle with the slightly better lighting that ends up being their shot, yeah. right? Um, like, Cindy and I sat next to each other for about 15 minutes for one Royals game. Um, and then, like, we were posting, we did, like, a collaborative... Um, gallery. Gallery, thank you. Uh, and I was like, oh, I think that's my photo. Oh, no. It's like, Cindy's, <laughs> we were just literally, like, two feet apart taking the same shot. Yeah. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's really interesting to think about a situation like the World Cup where there's, like assigned seating and I assume every seat around is like taken and so you're just gonna have these slight you know oh they're 18 inches to the left or to the right like if you're if you're not doing something beyond just going for high action like it's gonna be the same thing and it's cramped too like especially bench side they cram in those seats that you're literally not able to move at all um it is so so difficult um and so, yeah, that, at that point, it was like, oh, I missed all the... And then I had to go to Germany, Sweden, and I was exhausted because the USA-France game was one of the most... In, if not the most incredible experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. 
in terms of it had technically numerically speaking it had the lowest attend or it had a lower attendance than like the world cup final and the world cup semifinal but it was way louder hmm. it was so electric like i can't even explain that moment it was it, i had chills the entire time i was literally well one i was just nervous for the game because i was like oh man if we don't win this i'm gonna be so depressed what am i gonna be shooting am i gonna get credentials to the final i don't even know um because of this priority system yeah what i'm probably gonna have a bad seat not that it mattered at that point um but it was like oh my gosh i'm invested in this game everyone's invested in this game this game is, you know, we scored and then Renard scored and got one back and I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. They're coming back. I was like having a breakdown. <laughs> um, I was, and I was so, had that high that I mentioned for the first time in a long time, I think that game gave me such a huge rush. I could not sleep. And I had to catch an early train to shoot Germany, Sweden, which was probably the dumbest decision I made. Um, I just wanted to shoot as many games because, you know, you're at the World Cup. But that game was super, super boring. It was super slow. It was super hot. That particular city was Rennes. Barely any public transportation. Um, Is that the city they had a lot of issues with, like, locals and fans? I don't even know, to be honest. Um, But that one, that particular city was, like... uh, it was just very hot because Paris was that area was going through a heat wave too, so it was just miserable. Um, and then there are no Ubers or anything in that city either, which is crazy. So I don't even know how I got to the stadium. I think I convinced a bus driver in like he was speaking French, I was not speaking French, and I just kept saying stadium and flashing my World Cup credentials. And then I got lucky in some random uh, woman who lives slightly near the stadium was was like, okay, I'll walk with you and then tell you where to go. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> so actually, I would say the locals were nice to me yeah. at least. Um, but yeah, that game was super boring. I did not get, I think I took the least number of photos in that game. Um, because like the USA-France game, I like probably topped, went to like 2,000, 3,000 fo- uh, photos. Mm-hmm. I still have not edited uh, a lot of them. Yeah. Um, and then that game, I think I took like a thousand or something. It was I was like falling asleep in that game, basically. Um, I did get goals. I got a Germany goal and like a Sweden goal. Um, and I and you know it's like finally I got a goal, but it's not technically the players that I want that celebration. Yeah. That's so, hard. I there have been a couple times, not a couple, twice I think where. There's been weekends with Utah Royals, Real Salt Lake, and uh, Real Monarchs, or USL yeah. team. And I've shot all three. And by the, like, third, I'm just, like, fried. Yeah. It's hard to do that many. It's hard to do that games. many games. And then add on top of which, you're traveling. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, and that's the thing. is like, I go home. Yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable there. Whereas, like, being in a different country and a different continent would be it's so much more challenging. Yeah, it was, like, 6 a.m. trains... And then you would sleep overnight and then catch the next 6 a.m. train to go elsewhere. Um, And then finally when we got to the... the, So my first week was like hectic. I was literally in one city. I was in a different city every single day, basically. It was like... I was exhausted. 
Second week was in Lyon. I did not have to go anywhere. So I was like, I am, it's gonna be great. But Lyon's stadium is super far away from the actual city. Mm. Um, like if you were to take an Uber, it was, I don't know, like 40 minutes or so. Um, maybe 35, I don't know, with trap, I don't know. But, and then the public transportation, there was public transportation. It would also take like about an hour, or I think, but it was just far off. Um, so again, USA, England's game. Mm-hmm. That, so we had just won against France. I was feeling pretty good, but I was still nervous about England. Again, this time I got to the stadium early enough, so I got US, uh, USA bench side which is like, yes. Um, and again, both goals happen in the first half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, yeah, I got... I didn't even get Alex's goal, actually. Mm. I did not get Alex's goal. I got Lindsay Horan celebrating. Mm. Uh, so I missed the whole tea thing. Yeah. I had no idea why the internet was freaking out <laughs> uh, until way later after the game. I was like, what? what is going on? Uh, I did get press's goal. I got the entire sequence. Um, and then, of course, I got a lot of nice celebration pictures when they came. Again, bench side means that they'll come your way because the fans are behind you and their family is, like, close by. Uh, so that was good. And actually, I was just thinking that with the USA-France game, even though I was not bench side for that game, the one picture that I took that I'm super happy and about was... Uh, I spotted, I guess, Pino kind of looking for her family. Oh. Um, so she's looking for her family, and I actually saw through my lens her mom and sister in the background, and I think her mom was whistling. Like, mm. if you've heard that story, I think Pino's told that story in like all these social media videos that her mom has this whistle that she can hear. And so I have this picture of her looking and then her mom was laying and I had posted that and she had uh, messaged me saying, oh my gosh, thank you for that That's moment, awesome. which is like, that, that tells you right there that, yeah, I didn't get goal celebrations, mm-hmm. but I got something that probably meant something more. Yeah. Um, that again, yeah, you got a crappy seat, but you got to make the most out of that seat, um, whatever it may be find the moments where, wherever you can. Um, you can't plan them, but you, have, you just have to be on the lookout for them. Um, and then the final happened. Oh yeah, I should say that the Netherlands-Sweden game was also very boring. Um, the sky turned really pretty orange and I ended up taking a lot of pictures of the sky during the game. Um, funny enough. That's good for, uh, for the Dutch. I mean, yeah, so I ended up just like throwing it into the edit I remember but uh, that game there was it went into overtime nothing was happening and finally the Dutch scored but again they scored elsewhere Mm -hmm. so I again I missed I missed uh, I didn't have any close up shots of the goals I was feeling so like oh my gosh why is this happening for the final I was like listen it's the final I'm gonna pick the USA bench side because if they win, which at that point I was pretty confident they were going to win. No offense to the Netherlands. Um, I think if they passed France and England... They had a decent shot. I, they had a decent shot. So the American outlaws are behind us bench side. Mm-hmm. 
and then their family is behind their bench or next to their bench or whatever. So I was like, if they're going to celebrate, they're going to come into that corner mm -hmm. to celebrate with their medals and everything. They're going to come to that side, so I want to be the closest to that side. Yeah. Even though they seem to be having a tendency to score in the first half. And a lot of the photographers who didn't have priority one, uh, I know, ended up choosing seats on the other side because they were confident the U.S. was going to score mm -hmm. in the first half. Um, and I should say, that game, that game day was one of the craziest days. Um, the stadium opened at noon. I got to the stadium at 10. I still got pick number 13 because people had gotten in the stadium at like 7 or 6 in the morning to get whatever seat. Um, a lot of them were actually the priority two folks, uh, because they would be really fighting for the seats um, because it's whatever's left after party one. Yeah. And I was just, and I was so worried because I was like, oh man, what if I don't get benchside? But it ended up being a bunch of Netherlands folks in front of me. So I got lucky, I got benchside. I was actually like two seats down from where I think Brad Smith, who's the US Women's National Team team photographer was sitting. Okay. So I literally have like all the same photos as him. And I think if you know Lewis uh, out of North Carolina, he was like somewhere along that bench too. I forget which direction. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that that was the only game that U.S. didn't score. That I, amongst the ones that I covered, that didn't score uh, first half, and then mm -hmm. they scored the second half, and finally Pino went my corner side, yeah. and I was like. Yes, victory. And I was like, oh, don't miss the shot. Don't miss the shot. Don't yeah. miss the shot. Because literally that my biggest fear was she's going to do her celebration, like the iconic one, and I'm going to miss focus. Because that what's was... Your, what's your gear setup for this game? Oh, so my gear setup was always the same. Um, I had two D500s. So I own one and I rented one um, out of Bowered Lenses. Okay. Uh, one of them had a 300. And one of them had a 70 to 200. Okay. And then I had a D7200, which had a 18 to 35 uh, okay. f1.8. It was a Sigma lens. Mm. Uh, so the idea was 300 for all the celebration action, but also the 70 to 200 is perfect for near action. Mm -hmm. um, it's like the best lens, actually, I would say. If you're starting out as a photographer and you're saving up, one, you want a good body. So don't buy one of those D5100s like I did as a kid. That's a waste of money. You can literally get a used D7200 for like, I think 500 bucks right now. And it's, I still use it. I use it right now. Uh, and it's a good camera. Um, and like you get worse cameras that are brand new, more expensive than that used camera. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, so, so, so that 70 to 200 was catching all this near action and then 300. Uh, those were my two primary. And then I had the wide angle for, because you're in this massive stadium, mm -hmm. you want to get that like wide shot of whatnot. Um, you never know when, taking wide shots are, is always interesting because you never, you got to be very selective about your choice mm -hmm. of, you know, why are you taking a wide shot? What are you getting out of this? So one of the shots that I really, really love um, 
it's it's not necessarily with the 18 to 35 I think or maybe it was I don't remember but it I decided during the World Cup final every single photographer was literally jam-packed trying to get pictures of everybody all the players who had just come towards the American Outlaws section and, you know, all these, cel- but they had the flags, all of them were passing the trophy around. Everyone was fighting for photos. Mm. And I decided not to enter the chaos. Mm. And instead, I decided to be closer to where their family is uh, located, near the bench, because they're anyway going to head that direction, because they, had, they were making a loop. Uh, so I took this photo of all the players celebrating, and in the background was all the American outlaws. Okay. Because it's a different shot that yeah. nobody else was taking. Yeah. Um, and I think in the end, the American Outlaws posted that picture uh, because nobody else had taken a picture of them. And it's like, this is part of that storytelling where, yeah, it's the player's journey, but look at all these Americans who traveled to celebrate with them, right? They're kind of part of that journey too. They should be in the picture. So I have literally all these players. You see this kind of hidden but not hidden jam-packed photographers trying to get whatever portraits of what whoever and then the fans behind. Um, and that's probably one of my favorite photos, actually. And then, um, yeah, so I... So that was like... I had Pino's goal. I got Rose LaBelle's goal, too. That was... Have that full sequence. Um, she literally hit the ground. Such a great goal. And like, I saw her running. I remember, and <laughs> I was like, "Oh snap, it's going in!" Like I could literally tell from her run. I was like, I as soon as I saw her get that ball, I hit the, sh- I hit my camera shutter, um, and it was like tracking her. I didn't let go. Mm. I literally was like keep focus, keep focus, keep focus. Like, literally, it was like, don't mess this up. Um, and she just hit the ground with this massive fist pump. Uh, it was like a double fist pump. And that being said, like, everybody around me, so, like, Brad, Lewis, like, I think uh, Michael, who shoots for USA Today, we all got the same photo. Fine. But for me, it was almost just like a... a Relief that finally I got this beautiful U.S. celebration goal. Um, and they celebrated again, like, she ran straight to the bench. Um, and I, it's actually funny, I haven't edited a lot of those photos, and I just recently went and sat through and picked out the photos I wanted to edit. And so it's a gallery of, like, 4,000 photos, and I narrowed it to, like, 600 that I like, which is that's a good percentage. I mean, well, so my process is weird. It's like I'll go through and I'll pick very quickly. What do I like? What speaks to me? Like it's almost like an instinct thing. Like, do I like it? Okay. What can I do with it? Okay. Um, because a lot of times I'll select an entire sequence with no intention of editing that entire sequence the first time around, and then the second round I'll actually go through and see if I'm truly gonna be dedicated to editing this photo. Um, but yeah, I have those both goal celebrations. Um, I didn't run with the players as they did their little lap because I just was like, I'm not running around the stadium. Um, especially since there's like security guards everywhere. And then the other thing, decision-making process was, 
for the stage, they had like two places where photographers could be. One was the main area where you get that point blank straight shot, that iconic, like the players are right in front of you. And then one was from the side. So the players would not be staring at you. And obviously the point blank area was, I mean, this is like a hundred and something photographers. All of them were jam packed in that area. They were, that was the one thing was if you picked bench side seating, you're gonna have a harder time getting into that area versus the other photographers who were closer. Was it just a who rushed up quickest? Yeah. Wow. No, 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 it was literally like, and this is where it was almost like survival of the fittest, like every photographer just like fighting. Um, and I was just like, I am not dealing with this because I'm gonna get the same exact photo as every single person. What's the point of getting the same photo? There's like zero value in that. Um, yeah, I'm not making money off these photos, fine. But for me, it was like, I want to get something that's a little bit more unique. So I decided not to enter the kazoo. Um, I stood off to the side. And it actually ended up being kind of lucky because, uh, one, when the players were about to lift, you could get a... Because I was off to the side, you could get every single player's face, basically. Like, if you were dead on, you would not be able to see because their hands would, like, uh, block each other's faces. But I was off to the side, so I'm able to see everybody mm. and their reaction. And then the second thing, I don't know what... I was basically standing with their players' families behind me. Mm. So the players actually ended up looking my way because they were waving to their family, and I don't know who they were waving to, but every single one... I have this one picture of all the players literally recognizing someone behind me I don't know who, but they were all pointing that way. It's just like a funny picture, like, hey, hey, hey. I, I don't know what it, what's the story behind that photo, but because they're looking directly at me, every other photographer who didn't stand where I was standing, I mean, they can't, what are they gonna do with that photo, right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know, I, I made decisions. It, that was part of the decision-making, it was like, Yes, I want certain pictures. Like, I want the gold celebrations. Obviously, everybody does. But when it came to the actual World Cup celebration, I was like, do I really want the exact same photo as everybody? Um, and, yeah, I, I'm glad I stood off to the side. That was chaotic. It was, if you can imagine it, 100 people with $1,000, tens of thousands of dollars worth of gear slamming into each other. Yeah. That's stressful. That does not sound good. Um, I will say, I think every game I made at least one mistake with my setup, too. Um, uh, like, for the USA-France game, I was messing around with lung exposures. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I just I had this... I, this was one of those pre-planned ideas. I wanted a long exposure shot of the, the US flags and the French flags waving mm -hmm. so that it would create this blur yeah. effect. And I don't know why I I had changed my settings to take that picture mm -hmm. but I had while trying to change it back because action was coming close to me I changed the wrong thing my ISO ended up going to like 128,000 or some uh, crazy yeah. number I don't know what number some super and for the people who don't know that means your photos get so grainy it's like worse than film <laughs> um 
And so I don't know how to edit those photos still to this day. Um, I think for the USA-England game, for the beginning part of it, I don't know what... I must have in my rush of getting everywhere uh, set my setting for shutter speed a little bit lower. So a lot of my shots are a little have this slight blur, mm. which is like, it's okay. I, I'm okay with that. But some things are not dead on focus. Yeah. And they would have been great shots if I had just bumped up my shutter speed a little bit. No. Um, and then for the final, uh, the lighting had changed quite a bit. Um, and it was also just about to rain by the end of it, or it had just downpoured, starting to downpour. But my wide angle, this is where the wide angle came into play, is I wanted the wide angle as, because the players, because I was one of the few photographers standing near their play, uh, the family box area, the players were starting to run my way, and I wanted this wide angle shot of them kind of running towards me. Um, and just like, I don't know, just, mediocre things just like players talking to themselves walking mm -hmm. in this massive stadium with their medals like just normal things yeah. um, because it's not just all like craziness there's a lot of calm also still intermixed in there uh, but the problem was I had not adjusted I had not touched my wide angle throughout the entire game and I had not adjusted my wide angle since the beginning uh, post uh, pre-game ceremony to get the wide angle done so my shutter speed was like so fast that everything is underexposed right now uh, um, and I think I can still fix it uh, this is the beauty of shooting in raw that's my recommendation shoot raw um, but I was just like oh, I made a mistake in every game I will tell you this every single game some setting, something screwed up so many pictures um, until I realized, oh crap, I made a mistake, got to fix. But when you're in that bubble, it, you might not even realize that you've made a mistake. Much, uh, you know, not as intensive a setting as the World Cup, but I recently shot um, my friend's like high school son and his track meet. And I don't, I don't remember what I was doing, but at some point prior to that, I had messed with my... Um, autofocus settings. Um, oh no! <laughs> and so, like, I didn't even think about it. Was just shooting, you know, for an hour or so, and went to edit photos, and like ninety-eight percent of them are blurry. Oh so, no! Do you like uh, switch it to like, manual focus or something? I've done that before. Uh, it was um, the focus was like I forget the exact term, but like yeah. C nerd wasn't on continuous. It was on like single. Single, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like. Oh, these are all terrible. Yeah. And I got a couple that I was like, <laughs> here you go. But most of them were quite Yeah. Bad. I actually learned, this is like a side note, but I've learned that uh, I think in the D500, since we have the same camera, you can actually restrict your autofocus to only be in one mode so that even if you accidentally try to change it, it won't change. Oh, interesting. So. Good to know. I've learned like... It's almost like a child's lock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cameras actually have these things built in for a lot of the different settings mm -hmm. so that you don't make the mistake or you can quickly change. So, like, you could change if you want less autofocus points that you can be able to select mm -hmm. so that you can do that. Or, I don't know. I, I've learned that I need child's lock because I get, I get restless during games. Um, and I'll start messing around, but then when it comes time to 
uh, it comes time to like, oh wait, action's coming towards me. I gotta go back and capture this. I gotta be able to quickly capture whatever it is I'm, I'm doing. And I've caught, I've caught myself like messing up quite a bit. Um, I'm getting better at like, you know, like, hey, pay attention. But, um, you know, a lot of times, like, games will be literally in the midfield, and they'll never leave the midfield. And you're just like, I don't know what to do with this. Especially if you don't have a long lens, because I don't rent the long lens all the time. Um, I don't actually like long lenses. They're heavy. You need a monopod. It's restrictive. So you can't get weird angles, um, unless you're, like, super belt and then you can lift it but I can't yeah. for the entire game um, stably that is I can do the 7200 mm-hmm. which means you can you know lay on the ground shoot like shoot all the way up into the sky and get like a player with the sky mm-hmm. um, because again who would take that picture nobody yeah. which is why I'm like I'm gonna take that picture that's literally the decision making that happens yeah. in my head is no one's gonna take this picture, so I'm gonna take this picture. I yeah, I do love like I've used rented a three hundred a good handful of times, but there's something I don't like about sitting with all the newspaper photographers like in that row, all in like like I've got one of the little tripod stools yep. like under my monopod, yep. and I'm like I'm gonna have the same shot as everyone else. Um, but then it's, yeah, it's fun to. Yeah, I tend to take the 300 in uh, the Thorns for the Providence Park. I tend to place myself where the ball kids would enter and exit uh, the pitch. Mm. So there's this little gap. Oh, I do the two at Rio Tinto. That's really funny. Yeah, so I, I'll place I myself. I my 70 to 200. But. I'll basically place myself as low to the ground as I yeah. possibly can because most people will be slightly elevated mm-hmm. up, um, which means they're getting a slightly different shot than me. Yeah. Um, and I started doing that because I watched Roscoe. Yeah, that's exactly he, the same. He'd always be like laying out on uh, his yep. belly with on his like elbows. Yep. That was the first time too because uh, it was at the again at the semifinal in 2017 when I first met him, and he had taken all these pictures and I always wondered. It was like looking at the pictures. I'm like, it looks like he lays on the ground while he, like I. That's what I thought he did, mm-hmm. and then I actually watched him do it and I was like. Oh, we can do... I didn't even know you could... It didn't occur to me that you could do that. Yeah. Because that was one thing is, like, when I first got into this, it it almost... I didn't want to screw up. Totally. Um, So I just kind of copied everybody else. Yeah. In terms of their positioning, in terms of how they wore their gear, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, well, every person's different. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, if someone is not doing something... It doesn't mean it's wrong, either. Uh, it just means that they haven't thought of doing it. Like, I think with photography, there is no necessarily wrong answer, um, wrong way of doing things. I think if you can come up with a unique way to tell a story, a, the story is the story. You just have to tell it. How you tell it, how you choose to tell it, that's up to you, right? That's. I mean, right now I'm going through this phase of like, messing around with the colors that I select in my editing to because I know that colors are powerful. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to select colors that 
enhance the mood almost, mm -hmm. or colors that will tell, help tell that story. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the um, the post you've done with like the same image, but with different. Yeah, oh, different but, yeah. colors! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah, yeah. it's like it, it really helps me get into like the mindset of like how powerful changing the colors yeah. are. Because it it almost it feels like a different image and like it's different. And it is a it is literally telling, a different yeah, image. Telling a bit of a different story at some level. And it was hilarious when I did because I was during off season. I was messing around mm -hmm. and I was almost in a way, teaching a lesson through my, which a, a lot of people seem to like that is when I do one of those. I got a lot of responses to those um, where I'll basically display the same image, but slightly different editing choices. And all I've changed is actually the colors. I haven't even changed, because a lot of people will answer, oh, the contrast is different, the saturation is different. I haven't, I've literally just changed the hues. But the power of changing colors that creates its own contrast its own its own like what feels like vibrance and saturation because one color causes another color to pop um and i'm obsessed with it i'm absolutely obsessed with picking this is the like the hardest part for me is picking the right color um or if I even need a color. I'm currently editing the Portland-Chicago game that I just shot, and I got fed up. I was like, honestly, this should just be black and white. <laughs> and I'm so happy with the way this gallery turned out um, because, you know, sometimes you don't need colors to tell a story. Um, that's the other thing is, like, like, people have an obsession with, oh, it needs to be vibrant, contrast-saturated throw everything at, and sometimes less is more too. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my photos, actually I tuned down the, con actually most of them, all the contrast has been tuned down, the saturation's actually been tuned down. Um, I add a little bit of vibrance in there, but for the most part, it's all the colors. I've learned that the colors and the selection of colors is way more powerful. Um, hmm. I will always remember when I first did that though, I had a, it was a picture of Pino, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, during the USA Brazil game, and I don't I don't remember what it was, but I had just I had basically mess I always mess with uh, orange, yellow, and green mm -hmm. quite a bit, um, and a little bit of red, but mostly the orange, yellow, and green because skin tone for everybody is basically some shade of orange with you know either some level of dark, uh, black and white mixed into it. So messing with that orange means you're gonna be messing with how it contrasts against everything else. And then the green is obviously because the pitch is green. Um, so you can mess around with that too. But it was so fascinating to see that. It was like 300, 400 people voted. I basically say ask people, which one do you prefer and why? And I think it was like 300 or 400 people voted, and it was dead center, 50-50 in the voting. Oh, interesting. And I was like, well, now you know why this is so difficult for me. <laughs> it was like, because what you might like is something what someone else might not like. And it's just also, your eyes are sensitive. Every person's eyes are also kind of uniquely sensitive to certain colors. Um, I mean, obviously people are colorblind in certain senses, but 
that's that's just like how your eyes work. It's like what you like may not necessarily translate to what someone else likes. Um, so yeah, I mean, this has been my struggle. Is uh, this is why editing takes me so long? Is because I I get this question a lot. It's like, what preset do I use? And I'm like, yeah, I have pre like all of last year when I was pumping out content for all the different blogs and everything. Yeah, I had certain presets I fell to just to get a quick edit in to get it to the blogs. Uh, but I, when I actually sit down with a gallery, that preset is not necessarily going to fit, right? It's, it's a different day. It's different teams. It's different jersey colors, maybe different lighting, different mood. That's the one thing I've learned, I've started controlling is in happy moments, and in happy moments, I'll tend to go a little bit softer because it's it's lighter. It's a lighter moment. And then in intense moments, I'll go a little harsher and make it more raw, um, make it more impactful and powerful uh, with the sh shadows and the colors. Um, and I think that enhances it a lot more than if I just apply, slap a preset down and just make everything look the same. and. You know, it's the easy way to do it, that's for sure. Um, to answer the question, do I, you know, what preset do I, do I use? I, I've made my own presets. Uh, like, that's, that's like one of the things is like, I keep getting that question of how do, how do I, can I buy your presets actually is the question. Because people sell presets and make money off of that apparently. But I would never sell a preset. Um, I think that's kind of almost detrimental to your own learning process. You know, come up with your own style yeah. that kind of speaks to you. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So um, we've been at this a little over an hour, so I want to ask two more questions. <laughs> okay. And then we'll uh, get to the listener questions we haven't already addressed. Okay. Um, but how has um, photographing soccer changed your perspective on the game? Because you were... A fan first, and then moved into the photography. I'm, scene. Yeah, I'm still. Actually, I'm still a fan. Obviously, um, it's been interesting, and I think it's actually changed more so because of the gear upgrades that I've made. Uh, so I always say that gear does not matter, and I stick by that because I was able to take photos with the worst gear you can imagine in the worst lighting settings you can imagine. Um, at the same time, I actually think. For me, back when I had the worst gear, which meant I couldn't, uh, I couldn't rely on my own machines to track the players running, or uh, you know apply the best lighting if I wanted to use auto ISO or something like, I I couldn't get lazy, which meant I actually had to really read the game a lot better uh, in terms of anticipating movement, and I think for me transitioning from fan to now actual photographer with proper gear, I've gotten lazier uh, because I have technology that I can rely on that will track things. But that also means that I've stopped paying attention sometimes uh, to what's happening because I know that my camera will probably be able to pick it up. Um, the other thing I will say is... Uh, for me, 
I know I've had a good game when the players have had a good game. And it's something I've noticed quite a bit is because when you're in the stands, you're kind of restricted to that one spot in the stands. Mm. Uh, and I had a great spot. Let's, like no photographer could get to where I was at Memorial Stadium because of the way the stadium was constructed. And the players kept celebrating that way. So I kept getting good pictures out of that. It was basically like if you're a little bit past the 18 on the side. Mm. Uh, so usually you're not allowed to go past the 18 as a photographer uh, in an official capacity. So I actually had a good seat. Um, but I think that uh, when you do have the freedom to move, then you can also position yourself based on almost the organization of the teams. And that's something I've started noticing about the teams and about myself is the most beautiful pictures and the like when I feel like I'm in a rhythm is when both teams are very organized because they themselves will position their bodies with respect to each other in a certain pattern and in a certain way that makes the photo just naturally beautiful. But if one team is doing bad and one player is out of sync everywhere, <laughs> the photos, it just like throws off this balance and then it throws me off. Um, so that, that's been one of those things where I've been self-conscious um, as a photographer, like, because as a fan, I don't think I noticed it as much. Um, the only thing I noticed as a fan is because I was, from where I was sit seated, I would always be able to see the back line and the organization of the back line and how the back line would kind of speak in terms of like soccer, speak to the goalkeeper and the midfield. And if a back line was super organized, I would get this beautiful like straight shot picture that defenses love to use. Like, um, but if the back line was not organized, you could see it in the picture. Um, and that was something that I always found very, very cool. And then, again, you know, that was the only time I noticed it. Um, as a photographer, now I've noticed that I know I have a bad game when one of those teams has a bad game or if both teams just play badly. Or, you know, if both teams play well, I'm on it. So, like, Portland-Seattle games always kind of, like, show up. Last year, Portland-Chicago, uh, it was a night game. It was the first time I rented the 300, too. It was one of the best games I've ever shot in my life. And, it was, and that game ended in a 2-2 draw, but it was so intense. And if, again, if everything's organized properly, you'll get isolated 1v1 battles with no players interfering in your background, basically. So you'll get these clean shots. Uh, so, I mean, I think that's, that's the biggest thing I've noticed more. Um, I've also noticed weird things. I've noticed, like, how players run. Hmm. <laughs> Almost like the biomechanics of how uh, their tendencies are. Like, especially the ones I photograph more often. I know their habits almost yeah. a little bit more, which is weird. But you start to read them yeah. a lot better. Um, I still can't predict goal celebrations. <laughs> I've given up on that. <laughs> I seem to be cursed. Um, but I tend to, I tend to know how a player is going to run and how a play, when I, I'm able to anticipate how the player is going to turn or something yeah. like that. And I think I don't know. Photography is kind of like 
help me read the game mm-hmm. a bit better in that way. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's interesting. My um, my good friend Cole, who's one of my old roommates that's now a professional photographer, loves soccer. Like, like he's been a Chelsea supporter since he was, like, 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, huge uh, Portland Timbers fan. Hates photographing soccer because, like, he can't control it. And, yeah. And, you know, like, as he does, like, uh, uh, marketing and um, a lot of, like, magazine and portraiture work. And it's just really interesting to hear, like, he doesn't like the unpredictability game. Uh, unpredictability side of, like, a live game. But he's done, he shot, he has actually shot for Chelsea, um, but it was, like, portrait stuff. And yeah. And he loved it. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. That's the one thing is you have to be able to let go of that control mm-hmm. for sports. Yeah. Um, and even on the creative side of things, because not everybody goes the kind of the artistic creative route mm-hmm. in storytelling. And you have to be able to let go. One thing was let go of perfection because you're not going to get something perfect. Uh, like I could la- literally put out nothing because... I'll find one little pixel wrong or something. (laughs) Um, That's how much of a perfectionist I used to be. And I realized, like, I got to let go um, and be a lot free, a lot more free. Um, You can't control what's going to happen in the game. Only the players can control what's going to happen in the game. And even then, half the time they can't because the refs are (laughs) doing whatever. Um, uh, That's definitely my favorite shot, by the way. Players arguing with refs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the funniest picture always and all the players love those pictures is what I've noticed is they appreciate those pictures um, after the fact but uh, you can't control it and I like that because it means anything is possible anything can happen and you know the players are moving in such weird ways that you can turn anything anything can look uh, beautiful um, it's just a matter of what you find beautiful too. It's mm. big part of it is curating, right? And it's just like picking out yeah. what speaks to you. Yeah. So, um, so outside photography, we are right now either in like a hospital or some kind of research R- building. Research, research sure. building. <laughs> um, so you you don't do this full time. This is not no. your, this is not your this is not your nine to five. Nope. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about? Yeah, your life outside of soccer photography. Yeah, um, I am finishing up my PhD at UW, uh, University of Washington. And it's in something science right? Yeah, we are currently in basically this medical research complex surrounded by Amazon here. And now Google is coming up. Um, and my, research, my PhD is going to be in mechanical engineering. My research is actually uh, blood diagnostics. So I've... Not to get too nerdy, but I've basically been researching towards uh, creating a device that can diagnose uh, what type of blood transfusion you might need in a traumatic situation in hopefully like less than an hour, actually more so like within 10 minutes or so. Um, basically tell the doctors or the ER, you know, you're la- based on the data you need a particular type of transfusion. Um, and it could also be used as like a pharmaceutical drug platform. So instead of doing like human trials, you can do uh, 
trials with blood, human blood, hmm. and run it through that with the drugs and see what the effect of the drug is and things like that. Interesting. So I do blood research. Yeah. Blood is cool. Blood is cool. For listeners who don't know, I have type 1 diabetes, so I look at my blood quite a lot. <laughs> uh, probably for different things than what you're looking for, but uh, go blood. <laughs> go team blood. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, there's a few. We got a lot of really great listener questions, specifically from your Instagram. <laughs> Shout out. Um, and so I'm not going to um, ask everyone because a yeah. lot of them we've covered, but there's a few ones in here that kind of jump out. Um First one is, what's uh, your favorite game you've ever shot? Oh, my goodness. Is, is there a single game that stands out? I mean, there's a two. There's a difference, though. There's the favorite game I've ever photographed and actually felt like the photos were insane. And favorite game I've just to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think just to be there, USA France, hands down, like, mm-hmm. was... I don't think anything's going to beat that experience. Like, I, yeah, I shot a World Cup final, but I'm still saying USA-France. Hmm. Um, that tension, that everything. It was a night game, too. I think night games make everything better. Hmm. Um, and then favorite game where I think the photos just came out nuts. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I think uh, maybe I have to break this down like NWSL and US Women's National Team. I can say for MLS, since I haven't shot many games in MLS, that uh, last year's Timbers versus uh, Sounders in the semifinal, mm. right? Yeah. Um, I missed all the goals in that one too. But was, it, was that one the one here or the one in Portland? Uh, the one here. Okay. I, didn't, I couldn't I watched go. that game. That was insane. Um, that game was insane. That game, I actually had just done my general exam. So this mm-hmm. is like the defense before your actual thesis defense. Mm-hmm. And literally to celebrate, I went to shoot that game, <laughs> which I didn't expect it to go that long into yeah. penalty. That was like the first time I actually photographed penalty kicks too yeah. in a game. I never had to do it. I've never done that. Yeah. Um, I actually ended up not going again where all the photographers were which is like behind the goal right mm-hmm. to get I uh, ended up actually staying back uh, and shooting the goalkeeper mm. saves yeah. um, and then the players turning around because usually if they like score they'll turn around and like if yeah. they I don't know they'll point to the sky for God or something um, so that's a cool shot but anyway that, that game was probably one of the best games I ever photographed ever for the MLS side and I haven't like I said I haven't done many but that one I made uh, the craziest sequence at it it was the double backflip celebration of uh, I don't know the players names Asprilla I don't know I don't know I don't know player names sorry guys I don't watch MLS I know like Diego Valeri and Diego Chara and that's about it (laughs) I know the Diegos um, I like I like shooting Diego Valeri. Um, anyway, it was this double backflip celebration, and it was in front of the Sounders fan base, and you get all their expressions as this guy, this uh, Timbers guy, is like doing this backflip crazy celebration. 
Um, and I merged 17 frames into one sequence edit. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and I've never attempted in my life 17 frames edit like that. I've done maybe at most like 10. 17 is nuts. Like if you've ever tried to do one of these, even five is hard. Um, so yeah, that game was one of the most. For NWSL, oh man, I think, I think none of the games that I shot for NWSL actually officially were ever my best games. I think I was so nervous shooting for NWSL, I just screwed up, to be honest. Um, I wasn't, I could have done a lot better. Um, that being said, I think the Seattle Portland game, or the Portland Seattle semifinal game from last year was pretty good. Um, I would say any Portland Seattle game, Seattle Portland game, um, and then that Portland Chicago game has been really good. And then for US Women's national team, uh, not counting the World Cup, I think the one I just did in, at the Rose Bowl uh, against Ireland, while it wasn't like the most exciting game per se, I think the pictures, the look, the colors, everything I did for that game, I'm really, really happy about that game. And it's very rare when I'm happy about a game. So yeah, cool. expanded answer. Yeah. Um, Martha's Picks wants to know, how do you get a contract with an agency as a sports photographer? I would also like to know uh, the answer to that question. Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question either. I, I think if you look at my photos, I'm also not a sports photographer. So I don't expect to get a contract anytime soon. I rely heavily on visual storytelling. It's way more artistic. I call it artistic sports photography or just like, yeah, artistic visual storytelling, um, football storytelling. Um, I mean, I think, I think I said this before we started recording, but like that's why I enjoy your work so much, why I enjoy like Roscoe's work so much is it's just so much more interesting than, you know, uh, than high action, than those header shots that there's a million of. Yeah. That I, I still try to take every time there's a header. I mean, yeah, we all, <laughs> like, we all like, this one will be great. <laughs> you never know which header shot yeah. will be the header shot. <laughs> so you still take the shot and then you just do nothing with the photo. I mean, I have so many so, pictures. So of, much of photography is just FOMO of like, if I don't try it and I'll miss it. Yeah, it basically is. It's like, I don't want to miss a single moment, and oh my gosh, I can't believe I blew the focus on that moment. A lot of it is, oh my gosh, I can't... Like, this, literally this game, uh, again, Portland-Chicago, that just happened, uh, because it was a noon game, and it was super hot, and then they have turf. It creates heat waves that throws off your autofocus if you get like close to the pitch. And I love getting close to the pitch, but oh my gosh, so many of my pictures... Shooting there on Saturday, and I'm really glad that it's going to be a night game. Night games? All the way. I'm so excited for that. You can, like, rely on dead backgrounds, too, of just, like, black. Um, uh, next question is, uh, how have you seen the women's soccer game change in 2019? It's really non, um, a non-photography question, but... Uh, I mean, I think, answer. if anything, I will say... The response to my photos, I guess, has changed, which means it's become more popular. Um, like, I think, like, during the World Cup, I just, I had, I know I turned off all Instagram notifications. Um, 
it kind of blew up. But I think because that's the pinnacle of the sport. But now even post NWSL, the response I'm getting, I'm not used to that sort of response. I'm not used to seeing so many people sending me requests of, hey, can you shoot this player? Can you shoot that player? Can you get a picture of this? Can you post a picture of that person? Like, I used to get a few of those, and it would mostly be just, like, Tobin, which is why I always just put out every Tuesday. Just, like, put out a Tobin picture. Be done. Um, but otherwise, now I'm getting a diverse array of, like, you know, can you post pictures of these players? And it's not just, like, the famous U.S. Women's National Team players. It's the NWSL players. Like, hey, can you get pictures of this player? Uh, and... You know, that's kind of awesome because it used to be nobody was interested in your work unless you posted a picture of your U.S. women's national team player. And because that, those, and it still is, you know, you get a response. If you post a picture of Pino, you're going to get a response, mm-hmm. right? Post a picture of any of the Royals uh, uh, three. Um, yeah. You're going to get a response. Totally. I mean, uh, it's really fascinating. Like, I, if I post a picture of press, like... Oh, yeah. It, that. like, I see it in fan accounts, like, within a day or two. It's really interesting. Within, just, yeah, it's just, like... I, I think for me, like, if I post a picture of Tobin, it... I mean, it won't even be a day. It'll literally be, like, mere seconds before I'm... At least the fan accounts tag me, so I know that they're using my... Not all of them do, but... It's uh, nice when they do. It's nice when they if do. If you have a fan account... It's nice to credit your photographers. Yeah, credit your photographers. We don't get paid. It's the only thing that means something to us is that you love our photos. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that's the big thing. It's, it's become pop so popular. Um, and the other thing I would say is, like, because it's become so popular, you know, things like this, like getting all these questions about photography, I think every single day I've gotten a question from some person and again, I apologize if I don't answer your questions, um, if you DM me, uh, but like I've gotten the same question. How did you get started in photography and what's your gear? Like people want to take photos all of a sudden, which if I'm inspiring that sort of thing, I'm really, really, like I'm all for creative, creative work. So um, seeing that, it has been very, very cool. Um, just like the rise of popularity. Um, so I think last question. I'm sorry if you asked a question and we didn't get to it. Um, but uh, Sky Work wants to know, <laughs> is she your favorite royal? Of course she is. Of course. Because she puts out the best video content for Utah Royals. If you don't know her, what are you doing? She has been on the podcast before, so you can. That's like the best podcast episode. I'm just saying. That's my. I think I asked like eight questions in that one. <laughs> um, that one was a lot of fun. Yeah. I wasn't on that one, but it was fun to listen to. Yeah, that was. Go follow her. She puts out all your favorite video content of your favorite team. So if you're not following her, I don't know why you're not following her. She, you're more likely to get content from her than me. I only get to shoot the Royals twice this year, so unless they make playoffs. Fingers uh, crossed. Could have been in second. <laughs> they're not, still, not upset. There is um, still time. There is still time. It could be done. Um, well, uh, Nikita, how can if if listeners don't know you already, how can they find you online? How can they follow your you in the socials? I am Crypto Banana 
crypto, like Krypton, like Planet Krypton, like Superman. That's actually where that was born. Not uh, cryptocurrency. Not cryptocurrency. Oh. It was. It came out of Superman. So crypto, because I was obsessed with Superman as a kid. Mm. So crypto, and then banana, like the fruit banana. The reason it's banana is because my childhood nickname was Nikita Chiquita Banana. So I, as a child, as like a high, stupid high schooler, mashed those two together. And now, yeah, any now social media, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram. I even post all my photos that I post on Instagram and Twitter to Tumblr so that a bunch of you guys can reblog that instead of stealing it and not crediting me. Because again, credit your photographers. Uh, Patreon. I don't know. I even have a SoundCloud. I don't. Really, uh, I don't. I have some music on there. But. Interesting. Didn't know that. I think about YouTube too. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Nikita, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, go Royals. Go Royals. <laughs> <laughs>